Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hey, what's up? It's Nolan from Past Gas by Donut Media. We are an automotive history show. This week, we're talking the life story of Gilles Villeneuve, Canada's most important Formula One driver, This guy is a national hero up there and truly one of the greats taken from us too soon. He started out racing snowmobiles when he was a teenager. He invented one of the most important snowmobile innovations ever, which is crazy for a Formula One driver to do, and eventually became just one of the most legendary drivers of the 1970s. This guy raced for such a short time, but had such a large impact, and it was super cool to talk about a Quebecois racing legend. That's Past Gas by Dona Media, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Number one automotive podcast, Past Gas. The year was 1888. Carl Benz had just patented the world's first motor car two years earlier with the assumption that his incredible technical innovations would lead to a successful business. But he quickly found that his patent motor wagon wouldn't sell. The world just wasn't ready for it. People were skeptical that these loud, messy, horseless carriages would ever be reliable enough to be useful. And so Carl's business chances looked shot, much as they had been on a series of previously failed business ventures. So it was quite the shock when Bertha Benz, his wife, decided to do something about it. In secret and completely unprecedented, it ended up changing the way the world looked at the automobile. Today on Pass Gas, it's the story of Bertha Benz's big drive. Pass Gas Podcast. It's about cars, it's not about ports. Dude, back in the day, people were like, I don't know about these cars, man. They don't have eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't trust it because it doesn't poop. I remember, I think, it was a, I think it was an episode of The Dollop. Like, before cars in New York City, horse waste was, like, a huge issue, obviously. Uh, yeah. But also, they would just, like, horses would just die in the street, and they would just leave them there. Yeah, at the beginning, cars were sort of seen as, like... Um, a more environmentally friendly option because horses would just poop and then they die and then they rot. Yeah. yeah. So New that's York like City. a really, de- that's a depressing way of like describing a horse's life. That's like a really sad horse, <laughs> like kind of like mm-hmm. a nihilist. It's like you poop, you die. you <laughs> rot. I just watched a video <laughs> of a, a horse getting tucked in for bed. 
and he but, like, he grabbed the blanket with his teeth and pulled it over his shoulder. <laughs> See, that's why people were so reluctant to yeah. adopt can you, cars. Like, can the auto car tuck itself in at night when it sleeps? <laughs> doesn't have to sleep. <laughs> the auto car, Cornelius? <laughs> the auto car doesn't even roll its eyes at me when I'm trying to climb a tree. <laughs> what? Is that a trope of a horse? <laughs> no, I could just see it happening. Like, that's a good horse. Like, I'm trying to, like, climb a tree. Yeah. I'm not doing it well. And my horse is like, idiot. <laughs> idiot. It's not the first thing that comes to mind when I think of horses. But <laughs> no. It checks out. I mean, it is a trope in children's films where the horse, uh, the, the protagonist's horse usually has, like, some sort of. Yeah, he's like a smart quirks. Yeah. He's a smart yeah. aleck horse. Um, so yeah, I could definitely see James, your horse, being like that. Um, I, I'm the I'm I, the protagonist in the movie of my life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So like, I think I would have <laughs> a, like sort of like sarcastic kind of horse. He's like he's my friend, but he's he doesn't he doesn't. Yeah, let he kind of keeps much. you humble. Yeah, he doesn't let me get away with anything. When I was in, uh, so I I didn't think I was going to go to college, and then it, like applied to a technical school and got in and like the first day i was like this is when i turn it around i was like a d minus student in high school and i'm like this is i want to be here i got to put effort into it and the first day i drew this like horse face on my because i have add and i just started doodling right away and this horse face made me laugh so hard but i was like (laughs) trying to stifle it and then, like, my the dude next to me saw it, and he started laughing. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, I already messed up college. <laughs> like, the teacher was, like, giving me shit. Is there something you'd like to share with the class? And then you're uh, like, yeah, actually, I, yeah, dude, this shit's going to make you. <laughs> I yeah. just drew, accidentally drew the funniest horse. <laughs> uh, I dropped out of college because uh, my roommates and I got a smoke machine. And we would just like fill my roommate's room until we couldn't see at all. Oh my god! And I got so sick <laughs> that really? I like missed class for like a week, and then I was like, "Nah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll move to LA." That's pretty amazing. I thought that story was gonna end like, "Yeah, we put it in my roommate's room overnight when he was sleeping, and uh, he died." Yeah, so uh, I, they I thought this out. I was going there too. They kicked yeah. us out. <laughs> And I just fled out of school to for California. murdering my roommate. California actually has no extradition to other states, amazingly. So that's why I'm here. <laughs> um, rest in peace, Greg. Welcome to Past Gas. Uh, <laughs> we got some horse banter going on, but uh, <laughs> I'm your host, Nolan Sykes, joined as always by my other hosts, uh, James Pumphrey. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to say. And then <laughs> that I was, was new, yeah. Kept going. <laughs> And Joe Weber. What's up, Wink Wink Nation? It's been a minute. Let's get back into it. That's really good. Fired up. Um, <laughs> it's been a minute. It's been a minute. <laughs> get hey. back into it. <laughs> uh, yeah, as as uh, the, the intro suggests, we are talking about Bertha Benz and her drive in the Benz Patent Motor Wagon, which really set the automotive industry... At least in Germany, in motion, uh, we have we we have a lot to credit her for. Uh, so I think it's now's the time to to thank Miss Miss Benz. It really uh, turned the carriage business on its hooves. <laughs> yeah, she really took on big carriage. 
<laughs> yeah, she did. She did. So I'm excited to tell this story. We've mentioned it a few times, I think, in like Wheelhouse. I don't know if we've ever mentioned it on Up to Speed um, because James has a strict no spoked wheels policy for Up to Speed. <laughs> yeah, no wooden uh, wheels allowed. <laughs> so I, I think we've mentioned Bertha and this drive, I think, twice on Wheelhouse. And to understand the car, first, you need to understand the domestication of the pony. <laughs> I saw a great tweet where it's like every young nonfiction writer will start by doing the thesis or like an introduction up top, but then like rewinding way too far back into the past yeah. as in the first paragraph. And I'm trying to stop stop that trend because I was like, oh, that's what I do with every week. I bet you're sure. wondering how we got here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, how, how are you guys? How are you guys, how are you guys doing? A little check in with the, the my fellow hosts. I'm over it, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited. We record. We're recording this uh, on our the second to last day before holiday break, and I'm ready. I'm going to a cabin. I'm ready to do it. You're gonna leave ready your phone at home. You're gonna disconnect like uh, no. Topher Grace in that episode of Black Mirror. Yes. Okay. Cool. I admire I'm not that. leaving it at home. I'm a, because I have a heart condition. I'd like to be able to call nine one one. But that makes I sense. am I am going to put it in a box. Nice, a heart shaped box. A heart I'm feeling pretty box. good. Sorry to cut you off, <sighs> Joe. You basically live in a cabin. Uh, what are you? What are your? What's your plan? It's more of a tree I'm house. I I was like, this, these like lockdown orders are perfect for me because I do like my house is cabin like. And uh, I've been batting a thousand with uh, Christmas presents with my nice. girlfriend right now. Ooh, I still need to get some for my sister. Yeah. So I'm feeling pretty good right now. Nice. Feeling pretty fired up. What'd you get, Rachel, dude? <laughs> uh, label maker. I got her a weighted blanket. <laughs> yeah. uh, speaking of label makers, like I think the true sign of becoming like a serious sim racer is buying a label maker because I have to like label all the buttons on my yeah. wheel. Uh, so Rachel's I'm a, a proud, serious sim racer. I'm a proud owner yeah, of a Dymo Letra tag. Um, it's got so many functions I don't even know how to use. Anyway, it got cursive. Uh, it doesn't have cursive. Actually, oh, it might. Hey. It might have cursive. There's lots of font options. I didn't even realize that. Does, does it have call mommy? It does have call mommy. Yeah, <laughs> I got all. I got my sisters and my mom. I got them all mushroom kits. Oh, my sister got my mom. A mushroom kit. Like, it must be a mom thing. Yeah, moms love mushrooms. Like what? What type of mushrooms are you talking here? Pork, uh, pork baby bellies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not I that. I just literally, I literally just porky pig stuttered. Yibbity yibbity. baby bellies. None of those. None of those psilocybin uh, shrooms there. No, I didn't get my mom magic mushrooms. They don't those you can't really grow those in captivity, can you? Yeah. They don't they don't ship well because you get arrested most of the time. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they keep just fine. They keep uh, just fine. But, They're just but illegal. You go to prison. Legal in uh Oregon. That's right. I'm afraid to do mushrooms. Yeah. I think I'm gonna have to do that. You don't want to open any of the doors in that brain. Well, no, I don't. Keep I think for someone up. for someone with anxiety and depression. It's great to take little tiny bits and microdose. Hmm. It has the same effects as like 
uh, antidepressants. Interesting. Maybe I'll have to. Maybe I will give that a shot. I try and do mushrooms about once a year. Hmm. I f- you you got you like you got to be ready for it. you got to be into the idea of doing it right. Not microdosing. It's like uh like drinking on par with like drinking a kombucha. Like you feel like kind of electrified a little bit, but hmm. you don't get any of like the hallucinogenic properties. Okay, yeah, I don't want those. I've been watching a lot of cosmic and sci-fi horror lately. Ooh. Don't need that. Um, uh, Lovecraft Country, not great. I was, yeah, it, it kind of fell for, off a little bit. Yeah, first like two episodes I thought were great. And then oh, I got, was like, oh, this is my new yeah. favorite show. Yeah, it got too like uh, goofy. Yeah. Like Doctor Who. Like I hate Doctor Who because it's just so silly. Yeah. Don't want to offend any of the Who heads out there. We love you. <laughs> We, love we don't want to offend heads. Cindy Lou Who. We don't want to offend the We don't want to offend who's. Christina. Even though she <laughs> really? She's a TARDIS? Oh, <laughs> she's she's retardist. <laughs> James, on your she suggestion. She writes for re- retardist? <laughs> Sorry. Jeez. Uh, based on your suggestion, James, uh, Chloe and I watched The Undoing. Oh, that's great. Pretty good. Oh, that's a Nicole Kidman Vehicle, mm-hmm. Hugh Grant. That's the Nicole Kidman, Hugh Grant vehicle. Yes, great performances all around. Yeah, love that Hugh Grant. Love I that love Hugh Kidman. Grant. Lots of <gasps> on that show. I'm like halfway through Queen's Gambit, and I'm like, I want like 20 more episodes of this. Yeah, I wish I understood chess. <laughs> yeah, uh. <laughs> they do a great job of like, like fucking making it seem realistic though, because like. Uh-huh. I was like on the, on the, I don't know chess very well, but I was on the look for like, you know, when like the skateboarding show, I'm like, mm-hmm. I, I call bullshit on the writers, mm-hmm. but this one, they, they did their research. I think a skateboarding you, show. Yeah. yeah it's an like, HBO skateboarding uh, four, four chicks in New York city. And it's like a skate crew. It's really good. The second season's much better. Uh, but some of the language is like, yeah, I was thinking about frontside alling this thing and Ollie kickflipping that thing, and it's like, no, you don't. You didn't talk to any skateboarders before you wrote this. To be fair, though, you know a lot more about skateboarding than you do chess. Yeah. So my BS. Uh, yeah, your your meter BS is. meter is not <laughs> as impressive. Like like you, if you got hired on Queen's Gambit, I think like a chess person would probably be like, this guy doesn't fuck. This guy's like talked to two chess players. Yeah. Oh, he calls everything the Sicilian defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this guy's not even uh, ranked. <laughs> it takes too long to rank. I don't have that yeah. time. Yeah. Big chess keeping us down. We've been talking for about 20 Yeah, minutes. we really have. We got a lot of bands. <laughs> Good bands. a lot of bands. <laughs> yeah, not even bits. Just some, just some bands. <laughs> just like... You know, we talk about the history of a car. We throw in some bits. We throw in some bants. Bing, bang, boom. You got to pass gas. We talk about Nicole Kidman. It's all good. We'll be right back with more of this story. But first, a word from our sponsors. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Without further ado, let's get into <laughs> the story of Bertha Benz. Sosely Bertha Ringer was born on May 3rd, 1849 to Carl and Augusta Ringer. She was the third of nine children of the Ringer family. Uh, they were pretty wealthy. They lived in the southwestern German town of Fortsheim. Curious and ambitious, Bertha became interested in technical innovations at a very early age. As a child, she loved listening to her father, a carpenter who had gained wealth through clever real estate transactions, <laughs> explain the inner workings of the locomotive. She, was very, she had a very mechanical mind. Bertha began attending a school for high-born daughters at the age of nine, where she studied the natural sciences. But she was shocked to discover an entry in the family Bible from the day she was born, which read, quote, unfortunately, only a girl again. Oh, my God. Aww. Hey, I got this commemorative Bible to celebrate the birth of your daughter. Cool. Uh, I'm going to write about my disappointment. <laughs> the entry marked her father's disappointment at failing to produce a son in an era and culture that saw women as a lesser gender. According to family legend, though, discovering this entry triggered Bertha's determination to show the world that women were capable of great things. Hell yeah. On June 27, 1869, 20-year-old Bertha met a penniless engineer named Carl Benz during a train excursion to the Malbron Monastery organized by the social club called Eintracht. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> Soon he after doesn't wandering... Have a, he doesn't have a penny, but he has the same name as my father. <laughs> Carl soon wandered into Bertha and her mother's train compartment and Benz began explaining his idea for a motorized vehicle. Bertha was quickly smitten by his obvious intelligence and big dreams. That's kind of like a cool... That, I don't know. That's a... He must have definitely... Like, I would not... If I had a really cool idea... Let me start over. If I had a really cool idea, I would not just willy-nilly pitch it to people uh, out of nowhere. I think Carl was quite smitten. With what if you're what if this. you're like trying to pick up a girl though yeah that's what i'm saying it's like i'm not going to tell you guys about my next great show idea even though i work with well, you well <laughs> you should yeah dude, just as an example as an example, <laughs> as an example as an example i'm not going to tell you my idea for a microwave that doesn't 
beep again to remind you that it's done because I already heard it beep, okay? <laughs> that's not but, a new invention, Nolan. That's just a microwave that doesn't make sound. Right, so really I'm not going to tell you my here, idea Nolan. for a, a microwave that doesn't make sound, but if the actress who played Elena in The Undoing is in my train compartment, I'm probably going to try to woo her with my idea for a microwave that doesn't make sound. And I would kick you out of my compartment if you're in there talking yeah. about some technical innovations. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm trying to sleep. This is a train. I don't need <laughs> yeah, to Yeah, it's think. like three in the morning. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bertha and Carl soon began making plans for a life together. Uh, I guess his <laughs> they just really got along. Uh, neither one wanted to settle in Fortsheim, so in 1870, Carl Benz moved to Mannheim, and there he joined forces with a mechanical engineering specialist named August Ritter to found the Carl Benz and August Ritter Mechanische Werkstatt, otherwise known as the Mechanical Engineering Workshop. Does that one, does that umlaut have an Stadt. R sound? Werkstatt. Werk, Werkstatt. Werkstatt. Yeah, Werkstatt. August Ritter Mechanische Werkstatt. But Ritter proved to be an unreliable business partner, unfortunately, and the two men were soon at odds with one another. When Bertha realized the problems that her fiancé was facing while he visited her in Fortsheim, she persuaded her father to pay her dowry early and give her an advance on her inheritance to help Carl detangle himself from Ritter. That's a weird conversation. Yeah. It's like you already are embarrassed for your partner in your parents' eyes, you know? You want, you want to have like a viable partner that can make his own money. And then to have the conversation and be like, look, I know he sounds crazy. He starts talking about this vehicle that doesn't exist. But He's if you could just a, like a horseless horse. Yeah. And if I'm Carl Ringer, I'm like, I don't want to give this guy a dowry. Listen, you know? Yeah. I'm rich. Marry a rich guy like me. He invented, he invented the t-shirts with like the different color around the. Ringer, <laughs> the ringer tee, yeah. Uh, in fact, everybody in this story is wearing a ringer tee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so her father, uh, Bertha's father, did not like Carl, mostly because of his bank account, as you guys uh, already alleged. Having worked his own way up from the lower classes, uh, Bertha's father believed his daughter didn't appreciate the rarity of financial security. But he eventually agreed to give her 4,244 gulden, uh, which could have bought Bertha a mansion with some money left over. It was also barely just enough to pay off the company's debts and buy out Ritter. Man. Wow. So they were in trouble like pretty yeah. early on. According to German law at the time, Bertha was able to act as an investor in Carl's company only because she was unmarried. What? So if she was married, she couldn't be an investor? Yeah. That's wild. She ironically lost that legal right on July 20th, 1872, when she and Carl finally tied the knot. Carl later wrote of his bride, quote, you want to read? Give me a German accent, James. In marrying, I was joined by an idealist who knew what she wanted in all things, from the insignificant to the weighty. <laughs> Carl moved on to a new manufacturing venture, Benz and C, using the remainder of Bertha's dowry to get the company up and running. 
The next 15 years of their lives were dominated by financial problems as Carl needed more money for equipment than the business could provide. In 1877, a bailiff came to their family home, now packed with three young children, and seized his machines and tools, which were later sold at an auction to cover claims made by a different disagreeable business partner. This guy sucks at business. This yeah. guy is not a good businessman, no. Despite these worries, Bertha continued to stand by her man, which included helping out in his workshop. Here, the couple held many discussions which helped Bertha acquire a wealth of technical knowledge. Witnesses of the time later reported that she knew the engines and the cars nearly as well as her husband. Nearly as well. Together, Carl and Bertha developed the world's first two-stroke gasoline engine, which they got running for the first time on New Year's Eve, 1879. Uh, like can you the, imagine how dude. crazy that New Year's Eve party would be? Everyone's just <laughs> huddled around a two-stroke engine. Yeah. Someone's ding, mixing ding, gas ding, and oil. Dude, it's Bertha's a music a real, box. <laughs> Bertha's a real ride or die, ride or die chick, man. Yeah, she's got like Madame Curie awesome. vibes. She's like, look, your businesses might be failing, but I'm still gonna help you with this because this is your dream, and yeah, she's I like, probably know as more about this than you do. <laughs> she's like Eve. She's like the Rough Riders, just working on motorcycle engines. Carl finished work on his motor wagon in December 1885. Bertha served as his field tester and contributed to Carl's design with the addition of wound wire induction coils to the ignition. Because of her technical and financial contributions to the company under modern day law, Bertha would have held patent rights to the motor wagon. But as a married woman, she was not legally allowed to be named as an inventor at the time. I, okay, I, times have, obviously times have changed, but I still, I don't, I don't understand the logic of this where the only justification this would be is like, yeah, uh, women are just supposed to be in the house and do nothing else. Yeah. yeah. She couldn't have possibly uh, helped invent it because her husband was around. Women he's probably smart. insane, dude. Women in America weren't allowed to have bank accounts without their husband's permission till like the 60s or 70s. Yeah. Women in Saudi Arabia couldn't drive until like two years ago. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, uh, women have had it pretty tough, Nolan. Maybe you'll uh, crack a book every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe uh, open up Twitter on your little phone every now and then. Yeah, Maybe you know. log in and open up Twitter on your phone. It comes in app now. Well, they make it in an app now. You don't have to now. look at it on your browser anymore. You don't have to open up Internet Explorer to look at Twitter anymore. You can put it on your phone. Hey, you know the little button with the bird on it on your phone? Maybe you open it up and learn about the injustice in the world. In January 1886, Benz presented the patent Motorwagen Automobile to the world. It was the world's first vehicle with gas engine operation, as he called it, on the patent application, which is now considered the unofficial birth certificate of the automobile. However, Carl's business Akuman continued to lag behind his technical skill. The first few public displays of his new invention did not go well, including one demonstration that ended when a driver lost control of his vehicle and crashed into a wall. Terrifying what? onlookers. A horse would It only do goes that. like 10 miles per hour. <laughs> How did someone crash it? Dude. <laughs> a horse yeah. would never run into a wall. Carl was also a perfectionist who insisted on waiting until the machine was absolutely perfect before marketing it. To make matters even more stressful, Benz now faced competition a few miles away where another German engineer named Gottlieb Daimler had invented oh. the first four-wheeled high-speed automobile. Strong-willed, energetic Bertha decided something needed to be done. 
Someone had to prove that her husband's invention had the capability to drive the way the world traveled. Up to this point, motorized drives were only done in very short trials that returned to the point of origin and always under the assistance of mechanics. But faced with a business in desperate straits and a husband who seemed not to believe completely in his work, Bertha threw caution to the wind. In early August 1888, 39-year-old Bertha decided to drive her husband's newest design, the patent Motorwagen Model 3, 66 miles from Mannheim to Fort Zeim. Without telling him. I mean, sneaky, that's sneaky. Have you ever like, <laughs> like someone's like working on a project and you just want to like mess with it and like use it. I don't, and they what? just are such perfectionists. Maybe it never happens to you guys. It happens to me all the time. No, it's like, uh, whenever uh, Zach, uh, me and Zach shoot a wheelhouse. We uh, reformat the entire script the night yeah. before. So I know what you're talking <laughs> <Yeah>. about. <laughs> Bertha rose before dawn, waking her sons Richard and Eugen. Eugene, probably. Eugen. Eugen. She rose before dawn, waking her sons Richard and Eugen, who were 13 and 15 years old, respectively, and left a note on the kitchen table informing Carl that they were going to be visiting her mother, but not mentioning how she planned to get there. So Carl was <clears throat> probably like, oh, so taking the horse, probably. <laughs> I don't have to worry about that anymore. Then the trio pushed the motor wagon out of Carl's workshop and down the road so Carl wouldn't wake up when Bertha brought its single-cylinder, four-stroke engine to life. Nice. Bertha later described it as, quote, a veal conspiracy. Did you ever do this with your parents' car when you were, like, 14? You, like, put uh, it in neutral and push it down the driveway? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever did that with the Taurus. I think I did. Yeah, what I would do is I would turn the car off because it was manual. So, like, I'd get yeah. some some momentum going down my street and then turn the car off and then just coast with no brakes or power steering uh, down to my house. But it was only because I got home late after playing like Halo Reach with my friends. <laughs> I was never doing anything like illicit in my teen years, probably unsurprisingly. Yeah. So it doesn't have as much punch, that story. Anyway... The Motor Wagon Model 3 they had pilfered had a 954 cubic centimeter uh, CC, 954 CC, rear-mounted engine capable of 2.5 horsepower at 500 RPM. That's actually in pretty interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's like weird specs because like, like a, a lawnmower, you know, uh, little engine, four-cylinder thing, makes like that same power but at much higher RPM. This thing must have had like a huge cylinder. Wait, lawnmowers are four cylinder? No, four strokes, sorry. Oh. Anyway, the two speed fixed disc gearbox was controlled by a hand lever beneath the steering crank, which pushed the leather strap transmission between discs. I have no idea how this works. Uh, it sounds. There yeah. was a horse operating the transmission. <laughs> <laughs> there were lots of little mice in uh, clothing. <laughs> The steel were, pipe chat. It's basically a factory in there. So they're like pulling <laughs> levers and there's steam going on. And it's like one of those like uh, those big piano machines with all the different bells yeah. and like whistles on it that like uh, mm -hmm. cartoons used to have. And, and they only work if that song that goes. Yeah. And one of the mice is like fat and he's trying real hard. But <laughs> yeah, the can. other mouse is like not he's frustrated sweating. with him, but like definitely needs to tell him what to do and 
Yeah. They, he they, doesn't want to babysit. Yeah, let's just say that he gets stuck in one of the cogs. <laughs> oh, no. Not, <laughs> goes yeah. not, not goes, Fredo. Goes around a couple times. No. Yeah, it's, it's pretty comical stuff. Too many hijinks in the speed factory here. Yeah. But when he comes out, he's really skinny because yeah. it squished out all the fat <laughs> out of his butt. But he'll go like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like he's like an accordion walking. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah nice. Uh, the That's like how the... they used to write movies. Like a bunch of guys would get in a room and be like, yeah, and then he gets like stuck in the, you know, uh, the factory <laughs> because he's too busy looking at a gal on the side of the road. Yeah, he's uh, obsessed with cheese. <laughs> uh, all right i think that's enough screenwriting for the day who wants a cigar on a 40 ounce steak <laughs> yeah let's eat a 40 ounce steak and do some cocaine from the pharmacy <laughs> <laughs> the uh tube steel chassis sat on three wooden spoke wheels yeah it, pow- it powered the two rear wheels that were ringed with steel and a controllable 80-centimeter front wheel covered with solid rubber for steering. The fully, the fully loaded vehicle weighed about 800 pounds and topped out at 10 miles per hour downhill. I think he could go faster than 10 on a steep hill without a motor. Yeah. I, I got this baby up to 12 miles per hour when I played it in Gran Turismo. So <laughs> wow. not saying I'm the fastest motor wagon driver out there, but... Definitely up there. Up there. Yeah. Do you think you could run faster than this thing? Yes, definitely. After a 1986 test drive of a replica patent motor wagon created by Mercedes, car and driver described starting the car as, quote, a trip in itself. White gas and water are added to the appropriate brass reservoirs behind the seat. Engine oilers are topped off with 30 weight. The carburetor is adjusted with a knurled knob located just under the seat. The ignition is switched on, and the trembler coil sounds for all the world like a modern-day key buzzer. Exposed crankshaft journals are lubricated with a squirt or two of oil, and the cylinder is primed with a fuel-air mix by giving the massive horizontal flywheel a few swings back and forth. Finally, the big wheel is spun rapidly until a Benz engine fump, 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 sneeze fumps to life. <laughs> Pretty cool. Bertha was able to complete this process and get the car started without waking Carl, but she soon faced her first problem. She didn't know where they were going. Oh no! Oh, it's man. not. I mean, you gotta, you gotta understand. You know, this is a long time ago. You can't just pull out your little phone and say, "Hey Siri, where's my, where am I going?" You know, <laughs> like back in the day, you had to use your brain. Is this a Pete Davidson impression? <laughs> yeah, I've been watching a lot of uh, Devin Palmer. Video. Oh yeah, he's really good. He's, he's his like meek meekness yeah. is really funny. Yeah. yeah, so all this was before roads, much less road signs. Most people at the time preferred to travel long distances by train. I and think he meant to say paved roads. All right, this there's was definitely the, roads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All roads I mean, the Romans had Rome. roads, right? That's why all ro- roads lead to Rome. Yeah, we should do a wheelhouse on that. Yeah. It'll probably be really good. This was before paved roads, much less road signs. Most people at the time preferred to travel long distances by train. And the few local horse coach drivers who traveled routes out of Mannheim simply knew their way out of there. So Bertha had decided to take a circuitous route following the wagon tracks and railways through areas familiar to her. Yeah, makes sense. This initially took the family northeast through Weinheim, 
rather than directly south towards Fortsheim. From Weinheim, she turns south <laughs> towards Weischlock, where Weischlock. Bertha fa- Weischlock, where Bertha found a solution to her second major issue on the trip: gasoline. Yeah, I was wondering. And about you that. gotta, you gotta remember, this is 1886. There's not just yeah. a shell with power yeah. V. It's not like it's not like oh crap. Well, we're out of gas. Look for a Sinclair station with the dinosaur on it. James's favorite logo. They didn't even know who James was, much less that that's my favorite logo. They you gotta understand, this is a hundred years before James even existed, so they didn't even couldn't even ask him. You know? I'm I'm willing to bet at this time also they didn't even know what dinosaurs were. Whoa! No, that's not true. When did they discover dinosaurs? Dinosaur bones discovered. 1677. Oh, I'm way off. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> Robert Plot is credited with discovering the first dinosaur bone, but his best guess as to what it belonged to was a giant human. Ah, it wasn't until see. William Buckland, the first professor of geology at Oxford University, Oxford the, University, the dinosaur fossil was correctly identified for what it was. Wouldn't it be such a flex if that dude's name was like Robert Dinosaur and then he <laughs> named everything after him? <laughs> Robert Dinosaur is my uh, odd future name. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're like a golf instructor or something. <laughs> Robert Dinosaur. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Carl Benz had initially estimated that the Wagon Model 3 could travel about 25 miles per gallon. This guy is a dumbass. <laughs> based on his short drives along paved roads, but he was way off. Because of the rough terrain that Bertha faced, her car needed so much fuel that it had to be refilled after a few kilometers. Well, so not sw- worth it. Not worth it. Switching switching uh, units. That's good. Always good in a script. Give people yeah. <laughs> give people good uh, idea. So I mean that'd be like less than a few miles, not mm-hmm. twenty five. But seeing as cars had barely been invented at this point, <laughs> it was also a time way before gas stations. In fact, it was also before fuel tanks. The Model 3 could hold gas in its carburetor a bit over one gallon at the time. So if her trip was Whoa. to be a success, Bertha needed to find a regular fuel That's source. That's a huge carburetor. <laughs> yeah. She found it in the pharmacies along her path where they sold Ligroin. Ligroin. Legroin, where they sold Legroin, a petroleum-based cleansing fluid, cleaning fluid. When Bertha tried to buy the entire stock of Legroin at her first stop in Weishlock, the city's pharmacist tried to assure her that one bottle would be enough to clean her dirt and oil-stained dress. (laughs) Got her. Uh, She persisted and left with every bottle they had, enough to get her to the next town. That pharmacy still exists today, in fact, and advertises itself as the world's first fuel station. So if you're in Weishlock and you need some ibuprofen, you might just be going to the world's first Sunoco. (laughs) From Weishlock, the journey continued through... It's not not Sunoco. I don't know what it's called. From Weishlock, the journey continued through Bruchel, where Bertha acquired more Legroin. Then she turned east again, driving out of the Rhine Valley and along several ancient Roman roads into the hills of the Upper Rhine Plain. Here, and the hills were alive. I mean, they were alive with the sound music. (laughs) Here in the hills, the engine's two gears and 2.5 horsepower output weren't enough to get it 
up the hilly incline. So Bertha, Eugen, and Richard had to get out and push the car up steep roads. This car sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Near the village, eight hundred pounds. Yeah, I mean that's a lot to push up a hill. Not for Eugen. Yeah, Eugen was yoked. Yeah, he was like he was uh, he was like a fullback. It might be Egon. They were doing. It's Egon. Yeah, I don't think so. Not like Eugene. I think it's like Eugene. It's spelled E E U G E N for the listener out there. Uh, I think it's Eugen. There's gonna be some German dude in the comments being like, "You absolutely butchered Eugene's name." It's actually (laughs) Ralph. <laughs> anyway, you uh, can unlistenable zero stars. <laughs> hey, at least he gave us a rating. <laughs> Near the village of Vilford Dingen, Bertha and her boys reached a hill too steep for them to peak on their own. Unfortunately, help from the locals was generally hard to come by because many villagers they passed would kneel on the road to pray, fearing that this smoking monster meant that the end of the world was coming. What? <laughs> <laughs> But he, <laughs> oh, a bunch of idiots. But here, two young farm hands who were initially wary of the machine finally stepped in to help, and Bertha's journey eventually continued along the foot of the Odenwald Mountains. This being I mean, no a, wonder his business was failing if people thought that this was like the devil. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that actually makes sense with that kind of context in mind. Maybe he wasn't just a bad businessman, but yeah, these people, people are wearing like. Beliefs. Yeah, like all these guys are wearing like not very well shaped straw hats and like carrying like wooden rakes. Yeah, wooden shoes probably. Yeah, wooden pants. I just caught two new fish for my feet. <laughs> this being the first drive ever that was actually long enough to listen to a podcast, <laughs> it's unsurprising that Bertha eventually ran into mechanical problems. Two specific instances stood out when Bertha recounted her journey later in life. The first time the fuel line was clogged, my hairpin turned out to be helpful there. The second time the ignition was broken, I used my garter to fix it in front of my sons. (laughs) Yes, Bertha cleared a fuel clog with a long straight pin that held her hat onto her hair, then then repaired a faulty ignition wire by using a garter belt Stripped from her own leg as insulation. I'm telling you, dude, that's pretty, uh, you know, ingenuity. A lot of ingenuity there. Mm -hmm. Pretty creative. Like this. I like Bertha. I like Bertha a lot. Uh, In the first or one of the first episodes of Wangen Midnight, this guy fixes his Ferrari with a a pair of lady stockings. What does he? How does he do that? Like the timing belt or something. It's like an accessory belt. Uh, in addition to her clever solutions to the first two instances of car trouble in world history, Bertha had to make a stop at a blacksmith in Bruchel to mend a chain in the engine. And besides gas, another constant need was water. The engine's temperature was regulated by an evaporative cooling system and had to be constantly refilled from anywhere they could find water. Public bathhouses, streams, and when there's no other choice, even ditches. This, this thing, This trip has to take so long. Yeah, this is not worth it. No. <laughs> I would just like send a letter to my mom. Meanwhile, like uh, Carl Benz is like, where is my family and my life's work? 
He has like one of those pointy sleep hats and a big sleep dress. <laughs> Just waking up for the day. Yeah, they paid a, a few like mice to like st- paid him in cheese to stay back. <laughs> And every time he w- woke up, they'd hit him on the head with a hammer. <laughs> and his, yeah, his like his eyelids flip up like uh, shades real fast, yeah. uh-huh. and then the the mice have to like pull them down real quick. Yeah. <laughs> every time they hit him with the hammer, the bump on his head gets bigger and bigger, uh-huh. <laughs> until his hat is like straight up. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By the end of the movie, his hat is just like sitting on. We should get this animated. Yeah, this man, I'm awesome. so glad that another another scene done, gentlemen. Let's go I'm get so another glad that I'm so glad that we work for the golden era of Disney animation. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of whiskey and animators writing stuff, uh, one of my favorite places in L.A. to go is the Tam O'Shanter, and they have a table where Disney and his Imagineers used to go uh, plan out Disney World or Disneyland at the time. And they would like put the tables together and drink whiskey. Cause it's a whiskey bar and like lay out the br- blueprints and just get like hammered. What's this called? And it's Tam- called the Tam O'Shanter. It's on Los Feliz and they carved Tam-o-shanter. into the table. They got drunk and carved into the table. And so there's like these etchings in the table that are still there of like amazing dinosaurs of just like drunk animators were like carving into it. Dude, I want to go here. It's really good. It's got, it's like a prime rib place. It's been around for a hundred years. I love, I love me some good prime rib. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, they got cream corn too. Oh, Oh. so good. Everything is good. How do you spell Tamil Shanter? It's Tam, T-A-M, O'Shanter. Oh, oh, I've I've been there. Yeah, it's really good. It's in, uh, what's it called? Atwater. Dude, I got to go here. It's owned by Lowry's. So they, Lowry's bought their prime rib recipe and their Whoa. seasoning. And that's where they got their like Lowry's seasoning from. Damn, this is like a hundred years ago. That gravy looks dope. It's so good. They're like yeah. Yorkshire pudding. I didn't even know what that was until I ate there. And I'm like, now I crave yeah. it. Damn, $47 for a prime rib. It's yeah, good though. It caught prime for nothing. I guess not. Ooh, yum, spinach. All right, that'll be a birthday thing, I guess. <laughs> I'm so hungry right now. I know, I haven't eaten breakfast. Thank you. <sighs> Thank you for that. The Motorwagen finally rolled up to Fort Zyme at dusk, only for Bertha to discover that her mother had left on vacation. Ah, what? (laughs) (laughs) This Uh, didn't dampen Bertha's spirits, though. She quickly telegraphed her husband with news of the successful trip. Wow. I did not know that detail that her mom wasn't even there. That's (laughs) really funny. (laughs) Oh, yeah, sorry. I'm on vacation. I mean, I took a cruise, didn't you know? I've met somebody. I've. <laughs> his name's Greg. His name is Greg. He has a ponytail. Carl later recalled waking up to find the note Bertha left him. Then, upon discovering that a car was missing from his workshop, putting two and two together. Hmm. <laughs> wow. You're a great job, Carl. When he received news that <laughs> I Bertha... I think Carl might be Batman. <laughs> 
<laughs> the world's greatest detective. That's so funny. When he received news that Bertha had made it to Fort Syme, Carl was thrilled. He telegraphed back, asking Bertha to send him her car's drive chains as quickly as possible. He needed them to get another Model 3 ready for exhibition in Munich. He now knew that he had a finished product. And so did the rest of the world. News of Bertha's drive had already reached newspapers from eyewitness accounts of residents of the towns that Bertha had passed through along her way. Not only had she proved the effectiveness of the Benz motor wagon to Carl, she managed to garner huge amounts of free publicity for the company. That's You're awesome. welcome, Carl. Yeah, Carl. Bertha and her boys spent several days in Fort Syme, during which 15-year-old Eugen gave free ride to the town gave free rides rather to the town's many interested citizens. In an interview Bertha gave later, she admitted that both sons had also driven parts of the route probably because this early form of driving was too physically demanding for one person to manage on their own. I mean, what do you, is it like shifting the hard part? Well, I think also steering was probably not very oh, easy. Yeah. And like, there's like no suspension either. Like good suspension. Like you're getting rocked the whole time trying to keep control of this thing. Yeah. You got that big red baboon ass after this ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Despite the thrill of her initial success. However, Bertha's drive was still only halfway done. Three days after their arrival, the travelers began their return trip. And this time, the route was shorter and headed in an almost straight line towards Mannheim. Oh, we should have just gone the straightway the first time. <laughs> Why did we go over the mountains? However, Joe, the shorter path meant extra hills. Oh, okay. Bertha faced both tougher uphill pushes and steeper grades on the downhill drives, which put... Uh, more pressure on the brakes, which was operated by a hand lever on the side of the vehicle and can only slow down the 800-pound vehicle with huge physical effort by the driver. Oh the brake shoe wore out very quickly on the hills, so Bertha again stopped in Bauschlott. This time, she sought out a cobbler to cover the worn-out brake shoe with leather and in the process, inventing brake lining. Hell yeah. With this final ingenious contribution to automotive history, Bertha completed the rest of her return trip relatively smoothly. Over the 120-mile drive, Bertha Benz not only proved the Model 3 to her husband, as she, has planned, as she had planned, excuse me, but also established the future of the automobile to many skeptics. The avalanche of publicity that came in the drive's wake led to an outpouring of orders for Benz and C. Within a decade, Bertha and Carl's company became the world's largest car manufacturer with annual sales of 600 vehicles Whoa. and a full-time staff of more than 400 people. Carl Benz later admitted that Bertha was, quote, much more courageous than me and went on a decisive trip for further development of the motor carriage. Yeah, she, all she did was test the car. <laughs> yeah. She just used your invention. <laughs> yeah, but, like, she was more courageous. I, I'm giving her credit. Yeah, you're a big wimp. That, that's unnecessary, man. <laughs> the trip also led to specific changes in her husband's design. Because Eugen and Richard complained loudly about all the uphill pushing they had to do on their journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Carl added a lower gear to the motor wagon. Hey, Dad, you know what we really hate about the motor wagon? The, you got to push it uphill. Yeah, but look at you. You're so strong now. <laughs> you can play fullback. You're just changing the subject. Look, 
Just yeah. add a lower gear. It would oh, be look really at daddy, sick if you Daddy could drive got you a new a new dog. <laughs> and thanks to his wife's repair at the cobblers, he upgraded the braking system to include brake lining. As a final part of the trip's legacy, it made clear to automakers and sellers for the first time that it was essential to test new models under real road conditions. Who would have thought? Wow. Amid the newfound success of Benz and C, Bertha took a step back from its business operations long before the company uh, merged with Carl's old rival, Gottlieb Daimler, and began manufacturing the Mercedes-Benz. But her belief in the broke engineer who wandered into her train compartment had already been validated. In 1925, Carl wrote the following in his memoirs. James, please. Only one person remains with me in the small ship of life when it seemed destined to sink. That was my wife. Bravely and resolutely, she set the new sails of hope. Wow. That's, that's beautiful. Sweet. That's a very, yeah, that's, that's very nice. Bertha passed away in 1944 at the age of 95, 15 years after Carl had passed. Her lifetime spanned not only the advent of automobiles and airplanes, but just as important to the girl who was shocked by her father's entry in the family Bible, the women's suffrage movement, greater educational opportunities for young girls, and expanded legal rights for all women. In 2008, the Bertha Benz Memorial Route was officially established by German authorities as a route of the industrial heritage of humankind. It's now possible for any curious driver to follow 120 miles of road signs that Bertha didn't have and trace her route from Mannheim to Fortsheim and back again. Bertha's drive is also celebrated with a biennial antique automobile rally in Germany, and in 2016, Bertha Benz was inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame 32 years after her husband. But you know what? Better late than never. Amen. And Amen. that's the end of the story. Um, or is it to be uh, continued? I think I, I would really like to try some stupid long drive in a really antique car like that. I think that'd be that'd make for some I, good content. It'd be fun for like two miles. And then you'd be like, yeah. where do I find Litigal or whatever? That's yeah. <laughs> I think I'd like to maybe do like the Peking to Paris era. Yes. Of cars yeah. more like actual cars. Fair enough. Like I, I think uh first car would be a little rough. Yeah. But yeah. I want to push it under. Uh... Um, Years ago, Matt Farah did this thing called all cars go to heaven where they like went on this off road uh trail with a bunch of different cars and he brought a model t and uh it did not go super smoothly i would like to do something like that as i well. bet it made some great content though it it did i think he sold that <laughs> i think he made Good money on all all cars go to heaven anyway uh yeah very inspirational story man just goes to show that um r&d R&D. Sometimes you just got to send it. Bertha was like one of the first people to like send it. Oh, you know? dude. She was the first person to never live. <laughs> she, she was like, let's go. Like, let's go. Egan, let's go. <laughs> that is like a mom thing to say, though. Let's go. Let's go. Come on. Get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, mom's got to sit. Mom's got to get people to go all the time. Yeah. And you know what? 
They deserve all the respect and credit in the world. Moms are great. Here's to all the moms out there getting people to go. All right. Thank you very much for listening to Pass Gas. As always, um, tell a friend about the show. Uh, I think that's the best way to help us grow. If you know someone who likes cars, I think they'll like this show. Um, even if they, even if they kind of like cars, but they really love bants and yeah, if they bits. love witty bants, yeah, about horses. Uh, let them know yeah, about if the they show. want if if you have a friend who doesn't mind car history stuff but loves hearing guys talk about bullshit for thirty <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, follow uh, yeah. Uh, you know subscribe to YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> subscribe to YouTube. Get on Twitter. Check out check out uh, the issues. Uh, yeah. Go to the Instagram. Follow me and James Pumphrey, Nolan at Nolan J Sykes, Joe at Joe G Weber, Donut at Donut Media, um, and Bridget at Bridget in a Box. Yeah, Bridget at Bridget in a Box. If you like that fire Volkswagen slash Dachshund content, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Big thanks to our writer this week, uh, Greg Nix, and of course our producer as always, Bridget. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Be kind. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.